Welcome back to the Fear and Beer Podcast, where we discuss all things Halloween Horror Nights, horror movies, and just a little bit of beer. So kill the lights, grab a cold one, and join us as we dive into this mad world we love. I'm Nick. I'm Seamus. And I'm Jamie. Like scary movies. Uh-huh. Here's Johnny. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. You miss me. Aren't you drinking? I never drink. Why? As a reminder to all listening, if you want to help us to continue growing as a podcast, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on whichever streaming platform you use. To stay up to date with us and all of our episodes, be sure to follow all of our socials. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Fear and Beer Pod. Feel free to reach out to us. We love to interact with you all. As we creep our way into God, the beginning of October, this time has flown by. We are sad to say... It's the last full month of HHN, but we got to finally do our six house unmasking the horror tour. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to dive into those houses with a little bit of the insight detail that we learned on the tour. We're not going to give you away everything because we want you to still obviously do those tours for yourself and and get all that insight that you can firsthand. But we're going to discuss house by house. What are some of the little nuances and things that they hit in there and stuff that we've learned along the way. So we have that coming up for you today. Also, before we get into stuff, I do want to again uh, mention that Monday, October 23rd, we are going to be hosting our first ever co-hosting our first ever live event will be a part of our first ever live event. And that is not with just us. We are going to be putting on a HHN and horror movie trivia with HHN365, the RIP Tour, and the Haunt Girls. We are going to have representatives of all podcasts live and in person to give this trivia to you. It is going to be at Top Golf Orlando, and that's right on iDrive. It's 9295 Universal Boulevard. That's right down by the convention center. It's going to be right next to where the new Epic Universe is going to be. So October 23rd, 8 p.m., we are going to be hosting in person live HHN and horror live trivia. So be sure to come on out. We have a lot of great prizes. We got some stuff from the folks over at Murder on Main, and we got cool, cool stuff in the pipeline coming on for that. So we will keep you posted. We'll give you more updates as we get closer, but that's what we got in our foreseeable future. So before we get into our discussion tonight, let's get into some beers. I got one. It's a little funky. This is a brewery that we've used before. This is Abomination Brewing Company. This is out of North Haven, Connecticut. And what I got from them this week is called Forbidden Pumpkin. It is a Imperial IPA double milkshake. This thing's going to be heavy. It's a 9.3 ABV. And they list this as it's brewed with malted oats and flaked wheat double dry hopped with citra and mosaic, then fermented atop a monstrous amount of pumpkins, vanilla beans, pumpkin spice, and milk sugar. So I'm very curious what this thing is going to be tasting like, whether that's a more of a milkshake, more of an imperial, more of an IPA, more of a citra hazy style thing. I'm very curious. This thing looks crazy. The can art is super cool. It's a guy in a little mask holding a pumpkin that's smoking, and there's a little reaper guy in the background, but that's what I'm drinking. So uh, Jamie, I know you got something funky as well. 
I do have something funky, kind of following the pumpkin train along with you. I've also gotten from this brewery before. It's from Prairie Artisan Ales, and I am drinking Pumpkin Pie Treat. It's a 5.5% ABV, and it's a sour ale with pumpkin pie spice blend and toasted marshmallow flavor. So pretty, pretty interesting as well. I'm dip. I do like the sours, but I've never tried one with the pumpkin flavor. I want to say so. I think this one should be a little different. We'll see. Did you try- pop yours open already? I did. I just poured it out so that way. Oh, I can, okay. I can jump right Get into little, this thing. I want to let sniff. it settle. <laughs> yeah, with the milkshakes, it's a little bit. I want to make it let it settle a little bit. Sounds thick. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, and then let's see what I got on the scent right here. Yeah, it smells very hot. I mean, this is very citra hops. It smells like a hazy more than anything, um, but that's kind of what we're looking at. Hmm. This one kind of has not really pumpkiny scent, but more of a spice scent, I guess, which I kind of like. For being a double imperial, it's very light. This definitely tastes and feels more like just a normal hazy IPA, but it's got a good taste. The milk sugar will mask some of the booziness. Yeah, which is kind of good because I really didn't want to get kicked in the mouth at 10 (laughs) o'clock on Thursday night by a 9% Imperial, but it is the life we choose, that is for sure. I think I Uh, love this. Yeah, is it really good? I was expecting it to be It's actually pretty. I was too. It's actually pretty tasty. It doesn't really have... It's pretty light too. I thought it was going to be a little bit more creamier, but it doesn't really have that straightforward pumpkin-y taste. It's more of like that spiced kind of like cinnamon, like clove flavor, which Mm. is really tasty actually. All right. All right. Well, that's our beer for right now. Seamus, you rocking the silver bullets? Oh, you know it. (laughs) Yeehaw. We always got to mention it just in case, in case you're a first time, first time, long time. Seamus is a silver bullet. Yeah, I've, I've been, I've been bad. One day I'll be able to, uh, you know, afford good beer again. But for now, I'm I'm on a uh, beer budget. So. <laughs> All right. So let's get into these houses. So I'm going to pull up my list because we each kind of took notes as we went through houses and went sort of one at a time and and did all that stuff. So who, so I don't think we'll be able to really fully go in order of the houses we did in that order, but Mm -hmm. I think we did blood moon first. And I believe Jamie, you grabbed some notes on that one. I sure did. All right. So why don't we just go through your notes uh, and we can kind of, and I'm glad we did these notes because I always anticipate doing notes and I'm like, no, 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 I'll remember all this stuff. I'll remember everything. And <laughs> we I never, never remember anything. Because if if you asked me about what are the, some of the notes from Blood Moon, I would tell you that mm-hmm. I've forgotten already. So why don't you kick us off and, and go over some of the notes that you had about Blood Moon. And we can kind of discuss at the end of your notes uh, some of the stuff that we we really thought stuck probably out probably shouted our tour guide before we do that. What was her name again? Um, Kendra. 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 Homie. Shout out to Kendra. We- we had she's Kendra awesome. twice, actually. We did. We did, which was really fun. She's super nice. She's very knowledgeable about everything. Makes it real fun. So I believe she said she was the first tour guide for Horror Nights. She for was the, one of the first ones. She said, yeah, so. she was there from the beginning when they started. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, all the insight that's in there. That's a that's a 2005, right I think she said, was the first year they started doing them. I do think that's when she said she started it. Yeah, crazy. But super cool. Yeah. So 
Shout out Kendra if you're listening. <laughs> but yeah, right, so Tim. go ahead, Nick. Sorry. I say just kick us off into Blood Moon and we'll kind of we'll let you do your spiel and then we'll kind of talk about some of those points and see what what really stuck out to us on this tour for that house. Yeah. So I kind of did. I mean, they were notes, but I kind of just took like little bullet point things about some of the stuff that stuck out to me or some of the stuff that Kendra had told us. A lot of the insight as well, she was saying from I know we've listened to a couple of them and some of our listeners probably have too, but from the uh, Universal podcast when they put the house descriptions out and stuff like that. So some of you may already know some of this stuff, but some may not. So this will be for you. But Blood Moon, let me just start off by saying what a beautiful house. It was just so amazing to see it with the lights on and getting to go through the detail. It literally feels like you're walking in the 1800s, like Colonial Town Village. It was it was wonderful. But some of the, as you're walking into the house, the first room that you enter where you see the cloaked figures and you have the scare actor that's on top of the balcony area, that's going to be Constance Shiler, and that is the leader of the True Believers. So essentially, they have the True Believers, which are called the Followers, you have the Non-Believers that are called the False Hearted, and then you have the Moon Worshippers, which are called the Lunatics. And essentially what all these people are doing is moon farming this town, and basically what moon farming is, is they're planting, planting crops based on the lunar cycles, and basically the moon i think how she told us in the tour was that the moon turned blood red and it made all the people think that obviously something was about to go down so that's how all the nonsense happened in that but then the um what was another one that i used oh this was a fun thing that she had told us too so throughout the house you can see obviously some of the old colonial style distressed props and tools and whatnot that they used and all that kind of stuff like that they told us, Kendra told us, that their decor team that they used to set this up used real colonial-style tools to distress some of the props, and the tools are still placed throughout the house as well, which I thought that was pretty fun. Another thing that I wrote down was that in the cloaked figure room, I don't want to give too, way, too much about this, but in the kind of church pew room area where the cloaked figures are and stuff like that, they do have the live scenes in there for the live scare actors, and there's only two of them. At all times. So I'm curious to see maybe later on in the season. I know we're already a month into it, which is crazy to think if there may be a couple more. But I just thought I didn't take too, too much notes on this house because I just felt like I was so into it listening to Kendra speak about it and looking at everything. But just the detail that the design and decor team and the creative team does with these houses just blows my mind. And I forget the gentleman that um, she had said that helped design the style for the town, but she said he wanted it implemented in the sense that when you're walking through some of the scenes in the houses that you could see not the other scene coming up, but make it feel like you're more like in that town square and you could look through the different alleyways and corners, which you could see even when you're walking through at nighttime in some of the houses that it does look like it doesn't leave much negative space, but more so you're walking through following that path seeing the buildings in the distance you could see the bell tower in the distance and then there was one more cool thing i wanted to add too when you are walking through the room with <laughs> the children around the maid around the maypole with the bloody intestines if you look at the mirrors or the windows above the village blacksmith you can see the blood moon reflecting on the windows and the way that they set it up in the house is just really cool and you wouldn't have noticed this before. So there's two blood moons in the house actually and they like to make it like that or they made it like that. So when you're following it along, you could see it in the distance, you could see it in the foreshadowing and stuff like that. So blood moon, 
we love this house. It was great getting to see it with the lights on. It was awesome getting to learn all the little details about it. Yeah, and I think you mentioned something about the tools, but I I could be wrong. Did, did they say? Did she say that when they built this out, like the way they designed and built it, they used only the colonial tools? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and together. the processes too. So uh-huh. if, when, when you're walking through certain scenes, um, like you know, if they see if you see candles, they actually hand dipped the candles, like you would have done at yeah. that time, uh, or at least somewhat what you would have done at the time obviously this is based you know a time period that was mm-hmm. 400 years ago but they did their best to keep it somewhat uh, true, true to the true to the era yeah it was yeah, super cool they, they said I they, think they yeah they took actual like candle making classes yeah that's what i was gonna say around that for to kind of best represent that time frame but yeah the other thing i think Oh, I was going to mention the the moon again, but you you mentioned that that they kind of put them in altered spots so you can mm-hmm. see it in the in the reflection there. But yeah, yeah so that's that's cool little details. News, I think yeah. it, is, it is. I mean, it's. I find it nice when I you know go on these tours and I you know I learn things, but I also you know I learned that some of the things that I was already kind of like putting together in my own you know my own mind and my own perspective of the house so like when you're walking through it and they mentioned how like he wanted it to look like you were like walking through a village so you would see all parts of it no matter where you were in the path and i remember saying something about the first time i went through it i'm like it's kind of really it's really cool that as you're going through it you can look through like you said the alley you can look mm-hmm. through the windows you can see it looks like a village. It doesn't just feel like a big long maze or a pathway like most houses are where it's just kind of like scene, 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 scene. This felt like you were walking through a, a living, breathing village. And it really kind of draws you into the to the theme of the house. And that's why I think this one is potentially my favorite. Um, and I don't mean just like favorite of this year. I mean like favorite of all the ones I've ever done. Yeah, but obviously we'll have to wait until the end of the season to find out that that for sure but yeah i loved that when she was like yeah the guy who designed this house said specifically he wanted it to feel like you were walking through a colonial visit a village or a new england style village um and it definitely gives you the pier vibes too so if you're a fan of um dead man's pier you're gonna like this house i would think it did remind me a lot of that that house and i'm curious if it was some of the same builders or same architects and stuff like that because it it has a lot of those vibes i'm sure it shared the design team yeah i'm sure they had a big part of both yeah Uh, so next up we went to stranger things and i took some notes on that and i feel like we have a little bit less notes on some of the ips uh because Mm -hmm. a lot of it's more just ip trivia and knowledge versus actual house stuff yeah she spent quite a bit of time in this house kind of explaining the 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 show and making sure that those of us that were on the tour that either didn't watch the show or wasn't super up on the lore she spent a a, a lot of time talking about the lore of the show you're right i mean because i think the house pulls in a lot uh, from the show so it's only going to make sense if you know what the show is about uh, if you go into this house without any knowledge of the show, it, you're not going to get much out of it just because of that. But yeah, continue. Yeah. I didn't mean to like cut you off, but yeah, it was. No, but yeah, that's that's kind of like this, and you'll see in monsters as well. Like our notes were are either primarily on 
you know, the IP itself or background of, of that. But obviously with us, obviously seeing Stranger Things 4, we didn't need that, that, uh, like recap essentially of what, what we were looking at. But the, the stuff that I did know is they previously before they did this house, they did consider a mashup of, of all and like using some of the stuff from Russia and using the split stuff from California. But I think they, at the end, they said that they decided they opted for, that one continuous story, primarily focusing on Vecna. Uh, one part that she pointed out that I never really noticed is that in that initial room when you go in and Eddie's there in, in the trailer, his whole room is built out. Like there's a bed in there, there's guitars, there's it's actually built out and we don't go anywhere near that room. So it's it's funny that they spent the time to do that much decorating in that area where we don't really see it too much. Um, and as we were walking into that room, we walk by the fridge and on the fridge, you can see like a hellfire club esque picture, but it is just the art and design team that they put themselves on the fridge. That's always, always fun to kind of have in there. Um, the, the Chrissy body mold was created on site. They do a lot of custom molding themselves and they have about, I think they said over 3000 body molds just in a warehouse. Yeah, they, have the, uh, they have what's called a prosthetics lab yeah, on site. Like creepy lab somewhere with all these bodies yeah it's attached it's attached to the uh, last of us house yes <laughs> yep um or attached to that building that they use that that, yeah, that storage building warehouse or whatever mm-hmm. the numbers are on it um yep. she did tell us a little bit of a a background story that when they did stranger things two and three uh they had millie bobby brown actually in person going through the houses and at one point during a max scare she fell over and then she looked up and saw that it was Max. And for whatever reason, she thought that it was actually the actress that plays Max. And she hugged that character. <laughs> obviously, you can't touch or hug the characters. But obviously, with Millie Bobby Brown, there was <laughs> an exception. I'm sure that character has a story of a lifetime. Right. Uh, th- that little room I never noticed. But there is also when you get that first appearance of Vecna, that there's a, a fan trigger to blow like it's a trigger on the ground that activates the fan up in the sky, which I never noticed. I just kind of thought that that was a constant running fan, but apparently it comes out just so that way it gives it more of a, a entrance scare, so to speak. Um, and a, and a sad little story, the uh, trees from the Max's trailer scene, those were all from the Barney show, the Barney <laughs> area that was, ripped up and destroyed recently because if you didn't know a lot of the trees and atmospheric stuff in the houses uh, are trimmed and kept specifically for horror nights because they know they're going to need a lot of branches and trees and whatnot so they just kind of when they trim them and cut them they store them and they they use them for later the other interesting thing that i never really thought of uh when the you when you hear the audio in the house it's actually from the show itself and they kind of refer to that as asset material so the whole you know chrissy wake up but that's obviously we know the scarecher's not screaming that but it is interesting that they took it straight from the show and they didn't have to re-record or anything like that they had Obviously, with the partnership, they allow them to use a lot of stuff, but they they took those audio cues directly from there. Uh, There is. So, again, if you catch it at the right time during the Rainbow Room battle scene with 11 and one, 
you can actually see the video projection. And I caught this the other night, the video projection on one's face as he's being essentially disintegrated into the upside down. But I I hadn't caught that before. I obviously knew they were fighting and stuff like that, but I hadn't caught the actual overlay on his face. That was really, really cool. So keep an eye out on that when you go through. Um, When you do visit Eddie's trailer the second time, and that's with the upside down in the ceiling, uh, there are a bunch of hats on the wall. And these are identical. These are the same exact order and same hats as they were in the first Eddie's trailer. So a a complete mirror image, so to speak, of of redoing that set. And um, some of those, I forget the term they use them, but the the little black tarps that separate one room from the other, there are some that aren't just the typical black drapes. There are some that are sort of upside down-ish. And those are recycled from the first houses that they kept and they got to re reuse those. And then the last little one that I have that was, was interesting that in the scene where Max is held up and we get our Lucas character, uh, shout out to the homies. Um, there are two crates and on one side, one of the crates says M A J or major and the other says bond uh, that's signifying the the major bond that lucas and max have in the series but that is all the the notes that i kind of took down and, and thought were pretty fun and interesting but did have anybody have anything else for stranger things um the notes that are on top of those little cases too that you were talking about the notes that Lucas and Max write to each other in the show like that. She had pointed out to that the person who wrote them up even like got the handwriting like correct and try to just make it like as spot on as it could be. And it looked really cool. Yeah. So that was pretty, pretty cool. It definitely made me appreciate the house even more. I do like the house. I am obviously a big stranger things for fan. I've been calling for it for, I've been calling the shot for a while now and Mm -hmm. it was it just makes it a little bit more more fun to go through now now that we have those like super insights on stuff yeah it's a pretty open house too which is unique in a sense that or in the sense that normally you're used to being in really enclosed spaces but in this one there's general there's there's a there's a a number of really open scenes that kind of open it up a little bit they use the projection mapping or whatever you want to call it where they project the video onto the screen in the back so when you're going through it at night it looks really expansive and epic like a tv show would would, would be um but when you're in there during the day with the lights on you just see a big white off-white screen you're like what well, this feels kind of almost like a movie theater so they do kind of pull out of those elements into it rather than just saying, here's a bunch of dark corridors and things that pop out of you. I feel like this one uses a lot less jump scares and more, you know, trying to bring you into the world of the TV show, which they do a really good job of. I think that they're, they're the, obviously the, the best at this, like one of the best at, at doing that. Um, so every scene kind of brings you more into the show than just saying, Hey, boo, ah, I'm scared. You know, I'm scary. scared. Yeah. You know, be, be afraid of me. Um, which is, which is nice because sometimes with these houses, you want just the experience and not just a bunch of cheap jump scares, which I think, unfortunately, some haunted houses just kind of fall into that category. Um, yeah. It's, it's easy to like f- 
fall back onto that safety net of just like jump, jump, jump versus just immerse me sometimes, you know, with 10 houses, right. they don't all have to be the same. Right. Right. And I think she did say that like for, for a lot of the props, like they, they, they molded and made those in house. Like you were saying with like the Chrissy, the Chrissy dummy, whatever you want to call it, but things like where they have like the, the upside down bat creature things like they went they made all of those in-house and they used i think actual movie stills or movie information or movie movie designs to to make those um care to make those to make those dump those dummies or props whatever you want to call it uh and i think that was really cool how they kind of got it really close to what they look like in the movie or in the show but yeah, they did a great job on molding all this stuff because it all looks just spot on to what what we saw on our it feels. Yeah, it feels like it feels like Stranger Things, really. I mean, they do a really good job of making you feel like you're in in that world. Yeah. Uh, so moving along, I think the next house we went to was Dueling Dragons. Yes, it was. I believe it was. Sure. Was. And then we were going to have Seamus take notes on this one, but he said, no, I will. No, he didn't. I, <laughs> Amy was happy enough to do. She I was excited. Did not, I did not. But I do remember quite a bit of the tour, so I don't necessarily need the notes to remember this house. But Jamie, if it's, it's your favorite. So if you would like to talk about it, by all means. Yeah, so I actually got quite a few notes on the Dueling Dragons house. This one was really fun to just hear some backstory about the ride and getting to go through that nostalgic feeling of walking through it. And there was different parts that they pointed out, how it was so similar to the queue. And it just flooded me back with all those memories. Not too many, because honestly, my memories got awful. But (laughs) from what I did see certain things that you could remember. So some of the first stuff I took, this was actually the first time that Horror Nights utilized dragons in a house which was pretty cool pretty much the backstory is the lady of the lake trapped merlin inside the enchanted oak tree which is what you walk through for the opening initial part of the house merlin was trapped in the tree for over 150 years um ultimately the lady of the lake releases him to battle forever and this is how the two dragons blizzrock and a pyrock get trapped inside the castle um at one point merlin accumulates the oak staff which turns him into the enchanted oak ultimately and then i didn't remember or i didn't know this part but essentially there's well i knew there was the ice and the fire but there's the middle realm which is kind of where merlin is placed i think is what they want to say and then you have the ice realm realm, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and then the uh the ice realm and the fire realm and so essentially guests walking through this house are attempting to help merlin save the middle realm Mm, I put I don't really remember when she talked about this part but I put on just a little bullet point here skeleton armies so I guess one point that the skeleton armies had something to do with it but I can't remember it off the top of my head right yeah, now yeah I'm sure what she was saying is when he was trapped or he was created as the oak because I think what she was saying is that yeah. they took a lot from the ride and the, the backstory of, of the original roller coaster um, but they kind of put an HHN spin on it kind of how she she phrased it and what the story is for the house is that he has an oak staff and the lady of the lake or whatever she's called Mm -hmm. transforms him into the oak staff and he becomes the oak tree and that's Mm -hmm. kind of what you walk through for that first facade Mm -hmm. 
and I think she also mentioned that that was what the there was a there was an actual like middle realm like Merlin area of the theme park, which is where the roller coaster was. And I'm assuming that's where Harry Potter is now. But there was a restaurant there, right? And then the tree facade was actually the same type of tree facade you had when you walked into the restaurant. So they kind of borrowed that. Um, She did say that the queue line was for the ride was so exponentially long, longer than expected. um, Because they expected to be, yeah, they expected (laughs) like six hour waits. So they made the indoor queue, which was like at the time, the longest indoor queue ever built um, to kind of like, keep people entertained when they're waiting for six hours um so they pulled a ton from that to kind of give you the lore of the house um so i will say off the bat i know how everybody think everybody knows my feelings on, on the house i, I have say to thinks or knows <laughs> uh, uh, i have to appreciate the the creativity of the sets um, I'm not a fan of it. Not going to lie. <laughs> if you didn't know already, uh, but I can appreciate it for what it is. And I can appreciate it for all the work that they put in into building it because it is a very pretty house. And when I say pretty, it's very well done, very well built, very creative for however creative you can be with dragons and knights and stuff. But, uh, I do, I do appreciate the work that's put in there. So I want everyone to know that I may not like the house as a, as a house, but I do appreciate the work that was good, that was put in to build it. But yeah, that's, that's kind of how I remember the story being told. Yeah. I still hate the name Blizz Rock and Pyrock. So I'm sorry. Uh, I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I hate, I hate the names, but it's okay. It's okay. Continue, Jamie. I, I, I don't want to, I was going to say, I think you took more notes than I did. You guys heard it here. Well, I took no notes. Dragon's biggest fan now. (laughs) I I took like a few lines in Yeti and that was it. Um, I I have to admit, I have a pretty good memory. But yeah, I do remember. I mean, this is pretty vivid because there's a lot going on in it. Um, I remember her saying that like the lighting, which I admit the lighting in this house is really cool. They do a really good job of implementing newer technology into this house and using the LED lighting um, and everything kind of like each scene almost mixes fire and ice together. So this is kind of what I appreciate about it is that like when you walk into a room and like half the room is done up and looks all burnt and melted. And then the other half of the room looks frozen and kind of shattered as if ice was, was created and broken. Um, So I appreciate that. Um, It does get kind of repetitive, but I, I, at least I can appreciate the creativity and what they were going for. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, the, I, to be honest with you, from my perspective, the really interesting stuff doesn't really happen until the end when they kind of go through how, um, when you get to the main room and I don't want to give too much away, when you get to the main room and the big set pieces there, and then you finally get to kind of choose your path. I didn't realize that the roller coaster allowed you to pick which car to go on. I thought it was kind of like you just got in line and whatever one they put you in is the one you're going on. But um, she mentioned that the when it splits, you know, fire and ice, one of them was like, I think she said like longer or it was like shorter, but took longer to get there or something like that. And it was like the vice that was the op the mirror of that on the other side. And that's kind of what they were going for with the end of this house is that like they one side is ice, one side is fire, and one is like longer but shorter pathway. I don't know how that works, but math, I guess. Um, 
So we did get to kind of go through both sides and see both sides. And one thing to keep an eye out for, which I think is interesting, so I'll give it this, uh, is that kind of like the Monsters House last year, you're going to get a different ending scene. And if you're lucky, you'll either get the good ending where Merlin has saved the day and he's got his book and he's, you know, stopped Blizzrock and Pyrock from taking over the middle realm. Or you'll get the bad ending where if you go the fire side or you go the ice side, one of those two goofily named wizards have killed Merlin and have his head. So if you're going to the house, um, keep an eye out at the end to see which ending you get because it is different. You pretty much covered it, Seamus, for what I was going to say for the rest of the stuff. Well, you know, I do what I can. Um, the only other note I had, um, I think that she had mentioned this was the first house conceived for this year. Doesn't mean it was the first Doesn't one that was started, me. but this was the first kind of idea on the board. I think that's what that they she had mentioned at some point. So, I mean, it, it would make sense that it was on their minds because they are building a racing coaster for Epic Universe. So I'm wondering if they were kind of like dragons is on the brain i don't know she gave us a lot of really cool information about the roller coaster that i had no idea yeah. uh about how like they when they designed the two cars they timed it so that way you would have three near quote unquote near misses so your feet would almost touch your heads would almost touch as you were going yeah. by and then it was also designed so that when you were entering the queue with the two dragons the all three parts of the roller coaster that were near misses all like lined up together in between the two dragons, which is pretty cool. I mean, math, yay, math. I hate math. <laughs> what you can do with math. Um, I had never ridden the roller coaster. I mean, that, that was built and taken down in between the time that I was, that I first went to universal. And when I finally went back to universal, so I never really got a chance to ride the ride, but that was pretty cool to hear that yeah. kind of information, but not having any of the house, but you know, yeah. Um, so let's see. So the next house I have on the list is Yeti. I think we did that one next to finish we did. off. We went back because she, she threw a deep fake at us. We were like, yes. we went in through the Yeti house and thought we were doing Yeti next. And then she was like, nope, we're going to dragons instead, which is in the same yeah. building. <laughs> kind of threw us for a curveball. But, um, so the, the, the couple things that I had for this one, and I think Seamus, you had some notes I had on some this, notes one. For this one too. Yeah. Um, but I, we started Yeti started as the swamp Yeti in slaughter cinema. And we had mentioned this yep. previously on, on other episodes that it's sort of been, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a, like an inside running joke that every time they present us a quote unquote Yeti, it's never been a true Yeti, but more of a Bigfoot sasquatch whatever but we we've had different iterations of it so like we had the swamp yeti and slaughter cinema we had you know the the abominable snowmans and terror of the yukon and and stuff like that we've never had a true quote-unquote yeti and again this year we have yeti but it's sort of bigfoot so it's kind of like a insider's joke uh we do start in shadow creek which is a callback to the havoc houses Mm -hmm. which is a nice little thing. And the other, the last little note I think I took before Seamus took over on notes was that they referred to the multiple Yetis as a flurry of Yetis. Yeah. That's the uh, official term of yeah. a group of Yetis. 
but they use a lot of mirror scares and mirror yeah, ambiance in this house to establish a further reach of scenery than what is allowed to them because obviously you can't put an entire forest in the in the scare zone or in the houses but with the use of mirrors they can extend extend it a lot and trick us um but that's why i sort of yeah it's i mean this house does use or reuse a lot of the same tricks that they've used in other houses in the past uh they did she, she did mention that with yeti this is kind of their campy house like literally unintended campy house it's a it's a campsite and in yetis and it's got a lot of 50s camp in it um if you get the joke you'll understand what i'm talking about but like she said yetis are typically monsters or cryptids from like east asia like that's kind of where that comes from but every yeti they've used is not an actual quote unquote Yeti as, as the lore would state. Um, we've got more of a Bigfoot and more of a, you know, a, an abominable snowman or whatever the swamp thing was in slaughter cinema. But um, yeah, so there's a lot of hidden things in this house that you don't get unless you go on the tour. Um, they hide a lot of 32s in here. They hide a lot of kind of in jokes from, other houses mixed kind of in within within this house. There's there's a bunch of like hidden hidden scares or hidden in like inside jokes, I guess you could say. Um, I, she said something about the bear thing, how like the mom and the dad bear, the HHN bear, Papa bear. yes, yeah, was yeah, Papa and, bear. How, and how that became an actual like scare this year. Yep. So they they do call back to a lot of their inside jokes that they've had, um, beforehand, um. But this is a fun, this is kind of like one of those fun houses where you don't need a whole lot of backstory. You don't need a whole lot of, you know, explanation as to why things are happening the way they're happening because, you know, it's, it's, it's just fun. It's like, oh, look, it's a bunch of yetis who are taking over a camp. Um, so you have a lot of those, I don't want to say generic, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, stereotypical stereotypical yeah that's a good one like you know you have that stereotypical camping family who shows up with all the bells and whistles and has a bunch of you know annoying children electronics and, and uh children and, and kids and, named billy right right shit bags named billy sorry if there's any billies that listen to us you're not a shit bag but 10 you know little billies tend to be i don't know but either way um you know, you have the scenes that kind of represent what you think of when you think of camping, you know, out in the woods and going tent camping or going trailer camping. And, you know, Nick and I are well versed in the whole camping thing. We've we've grown up going to campgrounds. So we kind of get that, even though we were at least I was kind of the family that was like that. We were that family for, <laughs> for, many, for, for many, for many years. But um, they do use a lot of the same tricks from other houses. So they have like the pull trick where you have a particular like a dummy or something on a track and it pulls in and out. So when you go through and you see that that tent scene and the, the gentleman on the ground who's being eaten alive uh, is being pulled into the tent. They use that trick in a, in a number of houses and they use that last year quite a bit and they use it again this year. And in Chupacabras, um, it was big. It was, yep, they used it in Chupacabra. Um, they do use... A pretty cool mirror trick for a lake effect. So it looks like 
you're actually on like a dock and you're walking by a lake. Um, so they do some really cool, cheap, like basic, and I don't say cheap, like it's cheap, but like cheap and like inexpensive effects, like really easy to accomplish effects, but they're really effective at night with the dark when the lights are off. Uh, so that's kind of like kind of cool where they, they put, they pull a lot of that into this particular house. Um, there is an outhouse scare in this house and I don't want to give it away because it got me like better than any scares ever got me before. Cause I did not expect anything to happen. I'm just pointing at this thing, laughing look, at it. Ha ha. Look, look it's towards an outhouse. the toilets. Look and, towards the middle toilet. And I literally shit myself. No joke. It was like, I don't ever get that type of scare in these houses. Cause I'm too busy trying to appreciate all the shit that they've put in it. But yeah, that, that one literally got me like you like just completely got me. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's some of the stuff is, is in this town. It's kind of just funny when you get towards the end and they're talking about the couple that were retiring from Washington state and driving to Florida and uh, they're in their trailer and their campsite gets attacked and you can see the projection in the trailer window of the Yetis destroying the inside of it and potentially harming a puppy dog. Um, but again, I don't want to give too much away if you haven't done the house yet. So um, there's a lot of a lot of points that are pointing towards the fact that this house is in fact based in Washington. As our that's a conspiracy. As our yeah, you have to put conspiracy. that out there. There's, there's no proof that this is true, but Kendra um, was very convincing. Are pointing towards it. There is a, a, a letter convincing. that is addressed in Washington uh, at the ranger station. The flag is Washington colors. Um, the Yetis like first official sighting was from I believe Washington State Park yeah, or something along those lines. First. So, but that <laughs> is Yeti. Jamie. Any notes on Yeti at all that you that stick out to you? Um, just the one thing when Shaman had mentioned the uh, the lake scene, how they did it with the uh, mirrors and stuff like that to make it look like it was on water. The body that they have sitting on top of the water, they sawed it in half like completely to make it look like it's actually like floating on top of water. And I was looking at it during the tour yeah. and looking a little bit better. And I was like, you know what? They did it. I would have never even noticed that. So I just thought that was a right. funny little fact that they did. Like saying one of those cheap effects that yeah. works so effectively because y- you don't notice that when the lights are off it just looks like somebody's floating in the water exactly it's really cool i mean it, i mean again for for as over the top and expensive these houses are some of the best gags are simply that cheap gags and it works incredibly well yeah um so after that we made our way down to chucky um, and I have a couple notes on the Chucky house, but this was the uh, same puppet makers of the puppets that were in the Chupacabra's house. And these were manufactured up in Massachusetts, which was pretty interesting to hear. I, I hadn't known that. That initial Chucky, that little robotic, whatever it is, there's actually 200 pounds of push and pull pressure that is built into that little doll. So there's a lot of a lot of things and working inside that little that little guy um i never noticed this before obviously with the lights out it's kind of hard to see but the lights on i i don't believe i don't know if it's throughout the whole house but in that first scene there's like little bloody chucky footprints dancing around the floor that was pretty interesting from the opening door to the next room uh brad dorf actually recorded audio for the house so this wasn't stuff that was pulled from houses this was original audio that was recorded from the uh, voice actor for chucky so uh, cool and 
Yeah, it's crazy. The the one thing that I didn't notice is that all the kills that are in this house are at quote unquote Chucky level. So at his height, mm-hmm. that's where it seemingly is easier for him to attack you. Um, when you walk by one of the doors, it says C88. And that is a reference to the original movie releasing in 1988. Um the scene with the bathtub, they all have like kind of code names and stuff like that, but they refer to the scene with the bathtub as a spark of genius. And that was, of course, a, a reference to the Bride of Chucky uh, kill scene, I believe it was. And the TV that is in the movie, I believe, playing Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. in the house, the Bride of Frankenstein footage is actually from the house in 30, the revenge, uh, the Bride, Bride of Frankenstein of- lives. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the another little code name, so to speak, is that little kill scene with all the the syringes. They they call that the get to the point room, which mm-hmm. very spot on for a Chucky themed house. Um, the <laughs> again, uh, most of my notes are code names, I guess. But the the code name for that initial room where you're walking through the buck. Uh, the boxes of Chucky. That is the truck full of Chuck scene. (laughs) (laughs) That was my favorite one. (laughs) I love the play on words. And I never noticed this, but Jake, the name of that weird like creature figure that they all piece together. He's they're wearing, he's wearing Chucky socks. I hadn't noticed that in the nighttime runs of the house, but that's what I had for Chucky. Did you, anybody else have some notes on Chucky at all? Jamie, do you remember stuff from Chucky? Um, I was just going to say, I think I didn't realize it that well, I did with the Bride of Chucky seed and stuff like that. But she was telling us that the house was based off of the first season of the Chucky series, Bride of Chucky. I want to say Child's Play 2. She said maybe there were some scenes in there from that as well. But I didn't realize how many other iterations yeah, of Chucky she, um... was referenced in it other than the Bride of Chucky and then from the Peacock series. Yeah, she said that they had kind of combined some Child's Play 2, 3, Bride of Chucky, and then the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when you first walk in, the scenes from the factory are from Chucky, uh, Child's Play 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of mix some of the scenes from the different movies and the different um, shows. It's not just the the TV show, even though a lot of it is borrowed from that. Um, but I have to – I mean, the, the dolls that they had made for this are really, really good. They're really scary looking, and they're really um, – almost real looking like it it could feel like however they however i thought they were gonna do chucky they didn't do and they got really meta with it and it's exactly what i what i wanted it to be and i didn't think they would go that way and they did so i'm pleasantly surprised by this house and i think seeing it with the lights on helps make it a little bit even like better like i i appreciate it even more because i've got the scene kind of i've got to see it up close uh, and see some of that stuff up close. So yeah, I I don't really have anything else to add from what the tour gave us. But uh, I will admit that there were a couple things. This is the one house that you get the um, I forget what they call it, but it's like the 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 guest opera is it GAT the, oh, the guest GAT. operated triggers the guest so, activated trigger yeah so there's like buttons in this house that if you press them it activates a trigger whereas typically your triggers are either automated triggers or the are activated by the scare actors well these ones you actually get to activate yourself and they're not really scares but they add effects to the scene that 
you wouldn't get if you didn't press the button because they know that people like to pay, uh, press big red buttons. So that's why they put them <laughs> in this house. Don't press the big red button. Yeah. Press the I big mean, red I'll button. Admit okay, that I think, press the big red button. Yeah. Uh, I think, unfortunately, they're kind of – they have to find unique and creative ways to use the space where they're unfortunately you know forced to use this this – this fast and the furious building to do, to do a house in and it's split in the middle. So they have to kind of like be creative with how they do it. So unless it's convenient and they have two very different like properties that they can combine into one house, when they have one property, they have to kind of be smart in how they make it work. So that way it doesn't feel like it's just kind of a big intermission between two houses. So um, they do a pretty good job. I think of getting, not too meta, but meta enough that it's it's a nice in joke. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, any final thoughts on Chucky? Yeah, the last thing I thought that was kind of fun. I just I forgot about this earlier, but um, when you're walking into the second part of the house, the scare actor that you have on top of the fire escape area kind of thing. They do all their own dialogue, which is pretty fun. It's not recorded over. They're not told what to say. They kind of just got to make up as make up what they want as they go, which I think is really fun because sometimes in the houses you see the characters that have the dialogue that they're mouthing along to the audio or sometimes they give them, I would assume, a couple lines, not really a full script. But I think it's fun that some of them get to come up with their own little own little spiels. Yeah, and it's it gives them some some nice freedom, which yeah. is good. Uh, so let's move along to the last house, and that was the Universal Monsters Unmasked. Woo. Again, this one has a lot of notes based off of the, the actors from the original movies and the IPs themselves and stuff like that. So the stuff that I had taken down was that initially starting that uh, Dr. Jekyll was actually the first Universal Monster, the first official Universal Monster, because there was a short film in 1913, something that... I don't think I knew before because I think my guess was Phantom and I was mm-hmm. I think I was off by one. Um, there are two and, and going off of what Jamie just said, the whole actor live speaking thing. Um, this entrance in the facade has the opposite of that. They have the scare actor up top that has triggers or has a dialogue recorded that he just mouths to and those are referred to like as an actor a and an actor b actor a is live speaking and actor b is more of a multi-trigger audio contraption sort of deal and in that opening scene you can hear him talking to the invisible man so that's a pretty fun thing where he's like oh you'll never see me blah blah blah, blah and stuff like that so that was um something that i hadn't noticed beforehand i didn't notice that it was invisible man talking to him uh again I'm sure if you're familiar with the Universal Monsters, you know that Lon Chaney uh, portrayed Phantom and Hunchback, but he was also supposed to be Dracula um, leading it into the film. But obviously that never came to be. But he was originally a vaudeville actor that transitioned into film and he would go to tryouts already dressed up as the parts. He would go early in the morning to the studios, see what they were casting for that day, go home, dress up accordingly and then show up to the interview or the casting audition already in character. So they kind of, it didn't necessarily give him a, it gave him a little bit of a leg up, but it showed how prepared he was for these roles. If you obviously you're going to cast the person that's portraying the role right in front of you already, there's always been this controversy of how did Lon, uh, did, how did Lon Chaney get his nose to appear as such in Phantom? 
And one of the instances that is one of the rumors that I guess is supposedly the most well-rounded and most supported rumor is that he put fishing line up through his nose. He hooked it. He ran the ran it through his navel cavity and pulled it back out through his mouth and lifted it that way. Insane. That's like circus <laughs> show freak in stuff. That's that's something I would expect to see in the Odd Fellow House. Right. Uh for all those that are super, super paranoid about stuff as such of a two-way mirror, I learned a little trick. And I think we all learned a little trick. Jamie, I know you were really into this. And why don't you explain this little two-way mirror touch test that you uh, that we have, that we discovered in this house? I was really into it. And now I'm paranoid to go into any public space that has a mirror. And I'm going to do this check every time. But um, essentially what it is, if you put your index finger up to a mirror and your finger touches all the way through it's a real mirror but we were trying it on the two-way mirror if you put it up to a two-way mirror it looks like there's somewhat of a little gap between your finger and the mirror and that's how you know it's a two-way mirror (laughs) so if you go into the bathrooms and you feel the need to check that's (laughs) your way to check Um, i like i like how in this house they kind of do two different mirror tricks back to back and they can get you with the same scare actor that way. Yeah. Um, with the two-way mirror and then like the false mirror, which is looks like a mirror when you first glance at it. Um, but it's actually just an open hole in the wall. I, I, I like that stuff. That's stuff is fun. I watched that get Patrick, not my brother Patrick, not this year, but the year before in Puppet, where they oh, had yeah. a fake mirror in Puppet. And he thought it was mirror and they got him like so good. It was great. I was like, yeah, start looking into it. And then you're like, ah, ah. and they just yeah. rush out Gets yeah. me every time. <laughs> uh, once you are entering that phantom style scene, I didn't notice this, but the scene with the door being like pushed against and it looks like red smoke and stuff is coming out from it. That was supposedly the new actress that had come over to take over the play that was taking over for the actress that the phantom was in love for. So he locked her into a room and set the room on fire, thus opening that spot back up for his little girlfriend actress. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's, there's a couple posters in the scene that I believe we initially run into Dr. Jekyll and there's posters that are in French. And I, one of the translations on one of the posters is I, I tried to take it down quickly, so it might not be verbatim, but it says it's all nonsense. We like to have fun in French. So unless you read fluently in French, you're not going to catch on to that. To me, it's just random words. And if I even happen to find that one poster, I'm not going to know what it says translated wise but that's that's what it says supposedly um the wallpaper above the dead horse where dr jekyll or mr hyde makes his first appearance i didn't notice this but if you look into it the wallpaper is actually a print of little vials and like explosions kind of hinting to how he came to be this monster monstrous character so that was really interesting to see and this is the first time we ever saw a quote-unquote de-evolution of a monster typically we see transitions of one normal human creature into a full-blown monstrous creature but this is the first time we go from a mr hyde down to a dr jekyll who is just like it wasn't me it wasn't me so that was the first time we've had a de-evolution of a monster in one of these houses and then the last little thing i grabbed was that 
the sewer in the the uh, sewer grate in the Phantom, like and exit is is pretty much a replica of the one that was in the movie. So it gives a, a deep callback to that movie from from way back when. But that's what I had for monsters. Uh, Seamus, do you have any other notes from monsters? Not notes. Um, I think you kind of hit a lot of the major beats. Um, I mean, they did mention how there is some call. Well, I don't want to say callbacks, but a reference to the usher. So, if the usher is your favorite icon, there is a little bit of a reference to him in this house, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. And you really won't pick it out until, unless you kind of are looking for that. So. Um, keep an eye out for that, but no, I mean, this house is, this house is really, really well done. I mean, this house is talk about incredible set dressing and set design and just overall creativity in many of the scenes. This is a really, really good house. There's only a couple that are kind of, that feel kind of cheap, but other than that, it's really, really well done. So I love this. I mean, this is probably got the best facade on property this year. I really do think it's the first, it's the best opening facade out of all of them. Um, I'd agree with that. I like that one a lot because I love how, um, just how it, I don't, I almost want to say inviting, like you want to walk into it. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really, really, it's really, really well done. Um, it, it kind of pulls in all aspects of scare acting and sensory overload and, sound design and it just it's just really well done um i'm really happy that this went uh, away from frankenstein and the mummy and dracula and there's no sign of any of them anywhere um so i i enjoyed it i enjoyed this house particularly well this year so far oh yeah i've enjoyed it so far but seeing it with the lights on kind of helps you appreciate the work that went into it but no, I mean, I think you covered uh, pretty much everything. Yeah. Jamie, any thoughts on monsters or anything that stuck out to you that we didn't talk about already? I think you kind of mentioned everything. There was one little part that I wanted to mention that they utilize it in Yeti as well. But when you're walking into the opening scene for uh, monsters, once you're walking into the um, catacombs itself, they use the trick of slanting the floor down. So it actually makes it feel like you're stepping down, going down near the catacombs and stuff like that. It's just little things like that that I think are cool. Nice. All right. Well, let's jump out of that main segment then. We're going to hit a couple stuff that we we haven't done. We didn't do last week because we talked about Sir Henry's and we were away the other week. So we're going to go into our up down segment um, again. If you're not familiar with this, these are just some things that since the last time we have talked to you, these are some things that have gone up on our scale and down on our scale. And these aren't necessarily houses or scare zones. They, they could be, but it's all aspects of the event um, just in general. So I'll go. I'll go, um, I have three things for my my up list that have kind of gone up in my appreciation. Number one being Stranger Things. I've gone through this house a little bit more now. Obviously, I I try to wait till the lines are a little less than crazy. But the other night, Seamus, we went and it it said 75, but the the crowd didn't feel like there was a 75-minute wait. And we got in there in under 50. So it it was off by 25 minutes. It wasn't very busy. But um, I, I just I had I've had really good runs recently of Stranger Things. So that's that has brought that house up for me a little bit. Uh, the crowd size, I, I don't 
I don't know what it is. And maybe it's all like hearsay and, and stuff like that. But we went the other what other day we went Sunday it was Seamus and it was it was yeah. dead and we went dead. like eight o'clock at night too it wasn't like we went in at like midnight we were there almost not long after opening I, I think a lot of that is just online noise I think what you're hearing more than anything else about the crowds being unbearable um because the nights that I've been there outside of opening night it really wasn't that bad yeah I mean your two big draws will have the longest waits. The Last of Us has consistently had the longest wait, which is still mind blowing to me. I didn't think that was going to be yeah. the case whatsoever, but I was wrong, which I am generally all the time. But um, <laughs> I mean, outside, I mean, even that house, the, the line didn't look. We didn't. We didn't wait for it. We didn't go on it, but it didn't seem that long. It was posted at eighty five, and it really didn't feel like it was that. Like we weren't waiting that long. We basically walked on to monsters for one. Um, strange things, yeah. Strange things was probably the longest wait we had, and we waited maybe 45, 50 minutes, and it really wasn't that bad. Um, and that was yeah. the middle of the night, right? Exactly. That was like the first time. thing we when we first got there, we got right in line for it. But I would agree that I think one of my ops would be Stranger Things has definitely improved from opening night. They they've kind of hammered out that house and it's it, it it's running smooth now and it it uh it feels more complete i think it they finally filled all the missing gaps because i think when i first went through it it felt like it was kind of empty it was missing some things they were still kind of figuring out how it worked and the scares and they've kind of figured that out at this point so if you're going now for the month of october uh you'll be happily <laughs> uh um You'll feel you'll feel good about about how how they're how they're moving these these houses along. Yeah, uh, Seamus, any other ups? Because those are just my two of things that will have gone kind of up in my rankings as of late. Um, the only, I mean, I'm I, I'm still kind of like everything's kind of going the way it has been going for me the last few times I've been there. I will admit, we went and did the stage show um, after doing that version of it that one night i think that kind of went up in my book a little bit i was a little bit nervous that it was going to be samey to what it was the last couple of years but it was still really entertaining so i mean that was kind of an up for me but it's really all i've got yeah uh jamie what's kind of gone up for you uh since we've last discussed this so i'm glad we're kind of all in the same consensus here because stranger things has gone up for me too actually um, probably about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, uh, our roommate and myself, we ended up getting in in the nick of time. We ended up closing out that night and we hit Stranger Things at like 1.59. And as soon as we walked in, they were like, all right, shut it off. And we were the last ones in Stranger Things. So we got to run it pretty much by ourselves. And it was an awesome run through. And I know sometimes at nighttime, they don't have as many scare actors in it sometimes just with the timing and stuff like that. But such a good run like you said Seamus I feel like they've really gotten everything set in stone now they just worked out all the kings it was all the scare actors were great it was just it was really good time and I've never gotten to close out a house like that before so that was really cool nice um Jamie do you want to kick off our downs what what has kind of gone down for you as of lately yeah so uh, some of the some of our listeners may notice that I don't attend as frequently as 
Nick does and whatnot and stuff like that. And I got to disagree with you guys. I think this is the worst I've ever seen it at Horror Nights for being so busy. I know you guys have had some like good like lucky nights and stuff like that. But I feel like even on the weekdays, it's just been so consistently packed and it's just unbearable. So not unbearable, I wouldn't say, because obviously it's still fun to go and walk around and hang out and stuff like that. But they just really flopped with not having more food booths. I just feel like it's really clogged stuff up. I feel like it's I don't want to say that the lines have been misleading because like you said, sometimes we go in thinking it's a long wait and then it's not like, for example, we went to do The Darkest Deal the other night and it said like 45 minutes and it was definitely like at least an hour. It was packed. But then Dr. Oddfellow, we pretty much did a walk on when it said it was like 50 as well. So I feel like that's the only things that have kind of gone down for me. I wish the wait times were a little more accurate because with how busy it has been, I feel like that's why it's kind of getting a bit congested because people will run one way, someone will run the other way, all this kind of stuff. And it's just not that accurate. So that's kind of gone down for me. Yeah. Uh, Seamus, anything moving down on the list right now? No, I will agree with Jamie on that one point. Um, They need to figure out their wait times and try to give more accurate numbers. I know, obviously, it's not always that easy because, like, if, for example, it really is, like, 35 minutes – they mark it as such, and then every Joker and their brother sees that, hey, it's 35 minutes, and they all exactly. run over to the house. And then by the time you know, they go to actually change the time, the line is now 75 minutes. So it it's probably not the easiest thing to do when you say, oh, just, just be accurate with the times. <laughs> um, but I do wish they tried a little bit harder to make those times accurate so it felt you weren't guessing as much. Um, but yeah, I, again... I haven't personally seen the crowds be to the point where like I can't breathe. Um, I've been to theme park days and I've been to other things where crowds are absurdly like bad and I haven't felt it that way. Um, maybe outside the food lines, which tend to be really long, but I think that's more so because like you were just saying, Jamie, I think they don't have enough food booths. They, they almost yeah. removed some of them. And I think that won't help with house lines. But it would at least help with the food lines where you wouldn't have a line down the street for one particular booth if you had two of them, for example, rather than just one. So that that's kind of a downer. Um, and I think the only other thing for me is like, again, I have to, I have to, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse, pun intended, but the chainsaws, man, like I thought they were gone and they brought them right back. Um, yeah. I wish they would get rid of them. I mean, I'm, and I'm being serious. Like, no, I know. If you're, if you're gonna have them, put them somewhere where they're out of the way, like Simpsons Land, which you usually put them. You're force forcing them into a scare zone, and you're ruining the scare zone for me. And that's unfortunate because I want to really like that scare zone, but it's hard to appreciate it when I've got the in the, in the, yeah. in the back of my head every five minutes and you know what i hate when they come right up to you and they rub it like you're not a badass dude you have a fake yeah, chain yeah. without a chain yeah. on it you're not gonna hurt anybody you're a teddy bear with a fucking with a with a toys r us toy like relax i hate the chainsaws and i and this is one of the things that i'll rant about year in and year out because they never get rid of them and i don't care if you think that oh they belong they're they're a scary thing they belong in haunted houses it's a no, they don't. no, they don't. They're not a staple. They're not anything. They're just loud. They're obnoxious. And they ruin the vibe of the scare zone when you put them in a scare zone where you're supposed to appreciate the scare actors that are there that are themed for it. 
they're just people in black jumpsuits with with loud toys and that annoys me and i almost feel bad for some of the some of the other scare actors where like the ones that are on the stage and they're supposed to be kind of the center of they're on they're trying to do their thing and they've got some jackass with a fake chainsaw revving it in front of people's faces that are you know taking the taking the 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 uh, what do you call attention. it the attention away from what i think the attention should be put on so shame on you universal for not getting rid of getting rid of them or more so shame on you for putting them there put them back yeah. in, in simpsons and leave them in simpsons i don't know why you moved them unless disney was pissing and moaning because it's now their property and they don't want chainsaws in it which is stupid but i don't think that's the case i don't know why you moved them um get them out of that scare zone yeah and if you're gonna have them at least make it fit the theme right well it, maybe it fit, fits no theme yeah, aspect it of fit that scare zone it does just it has nothing to do with it no so i mean it's too bad because i really wanted to like dark zodiac and i don't think i, I can because i don't want to spend any time in that scare zone because yeah, that no. noise annoys the fuck out of me more than anything else like it's not yeah, scary I, it's I'm just annoying yeah, it's loud it's obnoxious and like it for is. a zone it's, where it's it fits, i can obnoxious. understand it but for a zone that it has zero like continuity with the rest of the actual characters and the settings and stuff like that. Right. I don't but. know. I don't, you guys know me. I don't, I don't hate him, I guess. And I really like the smell of it. So it doesn't really bother me <laughs> as much, but I get what you're saying. I mean, I think I talked about it before in another episode in one of the episodes when we were going over the scare zones and stuff like that. But I had seen someone post a picture online earlier of them like walking out into the scare zone and the big like main Zodiac character, all like the chainsaw people were walking in in front of him. And I feel like they're supposed to be kind of like the minions of like the scare zone, kind of like lurking around and stuff like that. Because if you think about it, it would be a pretty congested scare zone if they had every single Zodiac sign out there and doing all that kind of stuff and they don't have enough stages for it and stuff like that. So I kind of feel like they were a little bit of a filler, but I feel like the whole like minions people of the Dark Zodiac is what they were going for more so. The chainsaws don't scare me, but... Um, I really think they're pro- I, I doubt it, but it'd be funny if they listened to this episode and they heard you guys talking shit about it and they were like, oh, we're taking these babies oh, out and we're making them bit. We're tuning these bad boys up. We're making them la- <laughs> louder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it's not scary. It's just obnoxious. It's just yeah. it's really what it comes down to. But look, I get it. You're you you apply to be a scare actor. You're like, man, I want to be in monsters. And they're like, hey, guess what? You're gonna dress in all black and hold a hold a chainsaw. I'd be pretty pissed too, and I would <laughs> do my best to annoy the fuck out of every person that walked by me. So I get it. I 100 percent understand. But I mean, I just don't think I. Yeah, you're never gonna convince me that they that they're they fit they're, there that they fit that they fit in anything. And again, it's it's the noise. That's really what it comes down to. That's all for me. That's all it is. It's just like I want nothing to do with just the loud revving chainsaw shit, unless, like you said, it it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something where it actually fits the theme, and you're expecting it. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so my, I had a cup. I had just two downs, and of course, one one was something that you both mentioned was wait time and consistency. Um, it's just so so egregiously wrong this year that I, I don't remember a year where it's been so off, whether it's yeah. one way or the other. You know, it's, usually it's great when it benefits you, but it. when you get in line and it's like 40 minutes and you're there for an hour and 20, an hour 30, it's right. like, all right, you should have 
everything marked off like in the lines. I know you switch the cues around so that way they're not always the same layout, but you should have a, at least markers at each point where you're like, okay, if you're here, it's 10 minutes. If you're here, it's 20 minutes. If you're here, it's 30 minutes. So that way with just a quick visual and a walkie talkie call back to the person in the front, they can adjust it accordingly. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, it could just be, I mean, it could be simply, all right, you, you're the, you're my group. They hand you a card and say, could you start your timer, start your timer or whatever on your phone. And then when you get to the end of the line, give the card back and show them your time. So we can update the time. It could be as simple as that. Um, Or Or even simpler. You just hand them the card and you have the timer. you know what time card a was handed off you know what kind of card b was handed off. there's ways to do it and they don't do that and that's the part that is frustrating because it's like you're a theme park you should have had this figured this out what you do you already have this figured out by this boy at this point and they don't um that's frustrating yeah. more than anything else yeah and the other yeah, part it frustrates is is, is frustrating with the wait times is like you don't send people in in groups so it should just be a steady stream of people with, you know, gaps in time where you're standing for five, 10 minutes as they let express in or whatever. Um, and then you keep moving and it, it really shouldn't be times where you're sitting, you're standing in one spot for 20 minutes. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, other than the fact that they oversold express and there's a million express people and they have individuals that work for the event and they don't know how to balance that right and they spend 25 minutes just letting express people through and not stopping i feel like some people think some people that work for them think that well if we have people in line for express we gotta let all of them forward first and then before we can let the regular line in whereas other people know how to balance it better and stop them and say nope all right stop and then let people in and then go back and forth which is what it's supposed to be yeah 50 50 i feel like at some point half the time yeah, I feel like it's some. I feel like some nights they're better at that, and some nights they're not. And that's why there have been nights where it feels like it's just line after line after line. Um, but unfortunately, if you go on a Saturday or a Friday or a Saturday night, it's gonna be crazy. Um, I bet you if you compare Friday nights and Saturday nights to a Wednesday night, even though Wednesdays have been crazy, it's not as crazy as it was on Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, that's no, that's definitely. that's just the way I look at it. I mean. I remember Sunday night of opening weekend, the last of us was out to the out literally to the Coke to that Coca-Cola building all the way out there. So I know that it's been crazy, but I mean, I haven't necessarily, it's been less crazy more times that I've been there than the other way around. Not. If that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and my other down was the Megan Horde times. Like, I just don't yeah, get it I've at only this seen point. It like, once. Just, just say the times. Just just give them out. It's fine. Like, we'll do it I, more. I get, I get that it's, it's a, it is a fun, like, random thing that you see. But uh, just people know they're there now. Just say we'll yeah, be here at it. this hour. If just, you're going to have it, it there. you would think that it would be out there more often than it isn't. And it's They should really just kind of be walking around the park and then, like, stopping at certain points and doing the dance stuff and then going about walking around the park yeah and then doing it it again i don't get it either um it's like i don't know it's like you're you're half-assing it it's like you know you made a big deal about it being spoiled but then at the same time you're never out in the park you're never out you're not advertising it so it's like 
what do you why were you so angry that people released it before you were ready to release it if you're never gonna be out in the park anyways yeah but I don't know maybe I'm just maybe I'm just not there enough to maybe I'm not missing maybe I'm missing it but I don't know no I I wish they would just say the times at this point we're only a month out so just just say it um let's get into horror movies of the week horror watches of the week what have you guys seen jamie what have you have you watched anything this week i don't think i watched anything this week to i haven't either so, unless you've got something nick i i've got nothing i did i went and saw saw x oh that's right you mentioned that you saw saw 10 i did um i actually really enjoyed it it does i've take heard good things it takes place between one and two so it's kind of a crazy random timeline that this franchise has adapted um, but it is very well grounded. It's a good saw movie. It's it redeems the last couple ones because those last those last handful have been pretty garbage. But I, I liked it. It was simple. It did what it needed to do. It has everything you want to see in a in a saw movie. So I, I just have no no other. I don't want to spoil anything. So go check it out. I know it's in theaters still currently, but it was a good saw movie. If you like the original, you know saw one saw two saw three stuff like that that the original trilogy quote unquote i'll say uh you'll you'll find yourself enjoying this movie so go check that out all right well before we take off let's get into a quick little wrap up um we we mentioned previously shutter sundays will be back they will be back um but probably not until after horror nights is over once the our quote unquote busy season wraps up uh once HHN season does wrap up for us. We are going to focus a lot more on the YouTube page. We are still going to do podcasts weekly, but we're going to try to introduce some new YouTube series. So Shutter Sundays will will continue then, and we will start to introduce some other stuff. I might do instant reactions to new horror movies that come out in theaters because I am a movie theater whore. I will be at the theater as often as I can. Um, we might try to do some brewery visit videos and stuff along those lines. So keep an eye out onto our YouTube page. Once the off season hits in November, December, stuff like that, we will gonna hit the ground running on YouTube. Um, and again, I will mention our HHN trivia night. So HHN and horror movie live trivia in person. That's gonna be Monday, October twenty third at eight p.m. over at Top Golf Orlando. Come on down. We're gonna be co-hosting this event alongside HHN three six five, the RAP tour, and Haunt Girls. We're gonna have a lot of cool little prizes. We've already mm-hmm. started collecting. Uh, we started creating some questions and we're going to have fun with it. So I'm very excited for that. I hope everybody shows out and shows up. Uh, it's going to be right a near, very fun time. Right near, the, right near the theme park too. So if you happen to be in town for Horror Nights and you want to yep. stop by, we're not that far from Universal. So come yep. find Grab an Uber, grab a car. It's, it's very close. Um, obviously free to play, free to come in. So come on in, sit down, grab some. We're going to have plenty of seats for everybody. Drinks, food will be all all squared up on that end. So before we sign off, does anybody have anything else to get off their chest for this week of HHM? I, nope. I think we covered it. Hopefully I didn't offend too many people. Other than that, nope. <laughs> never, never. All right. Well, until next time, this is Nick. This is Seamus. This is Jamie. Happy haunts. We'll see you October 23rd. HHM Trivia live. Drop <laughs> off 8 p.m. Bye. We'll see you then. Bye. Cursed. 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 You know, it's Halloween. And again, I would 
just like to thank Vampire Stepdad for letting us use his music for our intro and outro music. So if you would, just go check him out, Spotify, Facebook. Again, that is Vampire Stepdad.